Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop, bringing you another edition of our 2021 CFL season deep dive series, this time talking all things Ottawa Red Blacks. Before I bring in our guest of honor for this evening, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And also want to mention this is actually our second episode of the week. If you missed it, go back, check out in the podcast feeds. We talked all things Calgary Stampeders with Steph from Horseman Radio, also a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network a couple of days ago. You can go back and enjoy that one as soon as you're done here with this episode. And as always, we do want to mention that and acknowledge that this episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty One Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Metis Nation. Now let's welcome in our guest to talk all things Red Blacks. He's a, a man of many talents, a man of many podcasts, but we know him most around these parts for his work with the Wood Cookie Sawcast covering all things Ottawa Red Blacks. Rod Villa Gomez is here. Rod, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you this evening? I think that's just a nicer way of saying that I have zero attention span and that uh, if somebody dangles keys in front of me, I'm going to jump right at them. So uh, I'm good, Ryan. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Yeah, happy to have you back here. Of course, we had you here as part of our big free agency show uh, last month, uh, start of February there. Got to talk about all of the big and flashy moves uh, Ottawa has made so far this offseason. Uh, today, we're going to go a little bit back in history, though, and talk about how last season went and what led them, perhaps, to making all of those flashy moves they made uh, so far since free agency began. Uh, big difference. I think on paper from the year before, but before we get into talking about the 2021 season, uh, of course, I always like to start this with, you know, getting the story of how do you first get into the CFL and, and you know, uh, being, uh, you do cover the Ottawa Red Blacks, but I know you do reside in the great state of California. Uh, so I think that's, uh, you know, maybe a more interesting story of what leads you, first of all, uh, how does the CFL fandom begin and how do you, uh, how do you end up picking the Red Blacks? So, I mean, as an American, we know that the CFL exists. I mean, there it, it used to be on ESPN2 a, a long, long time ago, some ESPN games as well. I mean, so I knew of the league for a very long time. And then long about the 2015, 2016 years, I, I just started to get an itch for I wanted more football. I, I was so tired of the NFL ending and then me not being able to watch any more football. And that is long about the time where the CFL actually started to become a thing on our television, right? I mean, again, uh, it disappeared for a long time, but it came back and I, and I stumbled on a preseason game uh, in 2016 for, the, actually it was 2015 for the Red Blacks. I watched that for a second. I was like, okay, cool. But that was about it. I mean, that was, that was really the extent of it until 2016 when I really started to, to feel like I wanted to get into it, saw more games. Uh, and then really what it was, was I was just trying to figure out which team I wanted to root for because I didn't want to necessarily watch the, the league without some skin in the game. Uh, as a fantasy football player, we all know that you have to have something going in the game. So I was like, okay, let, let's take a step back and let's look. And I noticed that the Red Blacks uh, were a relatively new organization in their iteration that they were in then. So I figured, you know what? These guys have only been in the league a couple of years. I'm a brand new fan. Why not? I just go ahead and start rooting for the Red Blacks, uh, even though they're clear across the, the not only the <laughs> continent, but across the border from me. Uh, and then look, so Ryan, here's what it really boiled down to, right? I mean, 
my fandom increased. I mean, I was probably going to root for the Red Blacks anyways, but when I tweeted to the Red Blacks that, I mean, and I put that in air quotes because we don't actually tweet to the team, but uh, when, I, when I tweeted at the Red Blacks that I was going to become a fan, immediately they latched on to me. They said, hey, welcome aboard, Rod. And then all of our nation just poured out <laughs> over Twitter and was like, welcome to the club, welcome to the team, welcome to the family, and like, I was hooked. So I, I knew I had to be a Red Blacks fan. And, and then the CFL won me over like that because NFL doesn't treat you like that. NFL tells you we don't need you to get out of here. But, you know, the CFL embraced me in all of my Californiandom. And, uh, yeah, I was hooked. Right on, right on. I love the story. And it's a testament, like you said, to the, to the CFL and how it interacts with, with fans and, and, you know, from the players and, and the media and everything. Uh, so accessible and uh, fans all over the world as well, you know, whether it's California, uh, Canada, the States, you know, uh, across the world, there are fans taking in the CFL and it's great to see. Uh, so, so you get into the CFL, uh, you fall in love with the Ottawa Red Blacks and uh, how long from there does it get before the, the wood cookie saw cast begins? Not very long, my friend, because once I found out when, cause I, I started to become a fan. I think it was in March, to be honest with you, right about this time uh, is when I stumbled on them and, and I got to digging because the podcaster me just can't leave well enough alone. Uh, I figured if I'm going to have this much access to the team and to, to the folks that, that are part of it, uh, I want to get deeper into it. And I looked around and, and at the time uh, the bleed red blacks podcast had just kind of wrapped up its, its last season and it wasn't coming back. And, and I was like, hmm, well, if there's no one else filling this void right now, let me go ahead and jump in and, and start a show for the Red Blacks, for the Red Blacks fans. I might be new, but, you know, again, I, I thought my enthusiasm for the game and for the team would carry itself through. And, uh, it, and it did. I mean, you know, we, we, we won the Grey Cup that season, and I, I was pretty much excited to have been a part of that, that journey. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, the uh, Mouchoir podcast jumped in, Janine and, and uh, uh, Michaela, and that was fun. I mean, it was fun to have another uh, another podcast there for us to be able to to both talk about the Red Blacks and and just have some fun getting the word of of Ottawa out there. Yes, of course. Shout out to the Mouchoir podcast, another great member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, Double trouble when it comes to the Ottawa Red Blacks coverage. Uh, let's get into talking about the 2021 season. It's, uh, it's, it might not be one we want to talk about a ton, uh, to be fair. Uh, you know, not a great season. 3-11 and finish in a shortened season for Ottawa. I, I wouldn't say too far off from expectations coming into the year for myself necessarily. You know, uh, you go back, you get, well, you got to go all the way back to 2019 to see where they last were because there was nothing in 2020. But, you know, a dismal 2019 season, they did some tinkering. They, they brought Nick Arbuckle in to be the starting quarterback in the 2020 offseason, uh, but then made the switch and ended up going with Matt Nichols. Uh, you had Paul Apolise coming in as the head coach. You know, some different pieces brought in where it, it seemed maybe Ottawa was going to be a bit improved over the season before was my expectation for them. But certainly uh, I was not expecting them to, you know, be top tier team in the East Division. I think I had them finishing last in the East myself. Uh, what were your expectations coming into the year? I mean, not much better, to be honest with you. Again, we saw what happened in 2019 and, and it was just a shame 
because it wasn't, I mean, again, we're not talking about 12, 13 win seasons for these guys. I mean, you know, the best that it's ever been is like nine, 10 wins and, and barely at that. So uh, this, this club does not throw up the W's. Uh, it, it does go to gray cups, but it doesn't necessarily win a ton of games to get there. So, I mean, when, when the 2019 season or going into the 2019 season, it, it was just frustrating because you knew it was a rebuilding year. You saw that it was a rebuilding year and you saw the exhaustion in the team knowing that they had just been to a great cup, but couldn't do anything the following season to even get close to that again and just got trounced. So as we went into the 2020 season, obviously the expectations with Nick Arbuckle were, uh, you know, not, it's not like he was going to come in and, and really just lead this team all the way straight. Like he, like a Stampeders type of a, of a run. Uh, we knew that much was not true because the other pieces around him weren't necessarily as strong either. Well, Obviously, we know COVID wrecked that entire season, and we never did get to see what could have become uh, of Arbuckle uh, in the red black. So, I mean, when when that all happened, it was kind of like a kick in the pants because then it's like, okay, well now we just lost this guy. Who are we getting next? And then of course here here comes Nichols <laughs> into the scene, and I've been on record before as saying that he's he's a good quarterback. Let's not take anything away from. From he's a good quarterback, but unfortunately, there's the the good quarterback, and then there's the transcendent quarterback. And he was never that transcendent quarterback that could carry a, a, a sagging offense into what needs to happen to, to be a winning franchise. Um, and it was tough. It was tough because you had mixed mixed emotions. Like you were glad that there was a veteran presence on the offense that knew some things about winning football games, but unfortunately, like I said, he just didn't have the it factor and and going into the 2021 season we needed the it factor we needed something to to rally behind and to cheer for and unfortunately you know we watched uh harris and ellingson go out the door uh so those were two of the biggest guys powell had left a couple seasons before so our backfield was not necessarily the strongest either so some of the pieces that were there weren't there anymore and so going into the 2021 season yeah like you said i mean there wasn't not uh, there was not a lot to latch on to for us as fans, other than knowing that this was going to be another rebuilding year and, and we're in for a lot of patience uh, that we needed to have uh, heading into that season. Yeah. You know, you talk about Matt Nichols and, and the expectations coming in. I think I was much the same way, you know, Matt Nichols with the bombers offensive line, great quarterback, Matt Nichols with the Ottawa offensive line. Like he's just not the type of quarterback that I see functioning well in that particular type of system. Right. And I think on the offensive line, you also had a uh, preseason, you know, a couple injuries, I think a couple of guys that end up not reporting uh, to the team this season. And, and it was looking while they did make some upgrades across the team the year before things were looking a little razor thin on, on the offensive line. And I think for a quarterback, that's never really been the most mobile guy uh, that, you know, is getting up there in age coming off a big injury does not seem like necessarily the best system to set him up in, even when you have, uh, you know, a great offensive mind like Paul Apolis leading the way. Yeah. And that was, that was the thing that I think threw a lot of people off too. We, we all, we all figured out that Paul Apolis was going to be the offensive, you know, play caller pretty much by and large, because obviously that's what he's known for. So we expected to have an offense that really looked well-polished, well-put-together, especially with Nichols, right? I mean, somebody he's familiar with 
brought in his guy. Uh, honest, obviously, we never did get to see him fully do maybe or mature, uh, seeing as though he got injured. But you know, again, he comes out of the gate in the first first game of the season. Doesn't throw any touchdowns. Now he doesn't throw any interceptions either. But he only throws for seventy one yards in the game. That is not what we expected to start the season with Matt Nichols. Honestly, it just it blew our minds. And and and, and he won. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, and, and that's he, the thing. We won, and so we were like, "Holy cow! Are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to squeak through this this season, uh, having a great defense and just a, a, a middling offense? It's it's mind blowing." Yeah, first quarterback to go fourteen and zero in a season, throwing under a thousand passing yards. You know, <laughs> I think that's the pace he was on through week I'd one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that first game. As we start getting into the season itself, here uh, looking at the first kind of chunk of the season. You know, usually kind of split it up. Okay, four games, five games in the middle, four games down the stretch. But uh, to me, it's almost like for for if we're talking about Ottawa here, we kind of got to look into the split it up into the Nichols and Dominic Davis segment, and then the everything else after that. Um, with, because as you mentioned, you know, start of the season, Nichols playing a couple of games, things not going, uh, you know, not really producing a ton there. Dominic Davis comes in. I think Nichols gets injured a little bit. Davis comes in, looks so not bad for, for a little bit there. Um, and then both of them end up going on the six game injured list at the exact same time. I think I want to say that was, uh, right before, right after the game against Hamilton in week eight. Uh, where they both go on the six-game injury list, we see neither of them the rest of the season, and it's a, a, a an overhaul there. But uh, so we start with that week one game against Edmonton. Coming in, Edmonton was so many people's high-end offensive favorites. I thought Trevor Harris was going to be a candidate for league MOP this year. First quarterback I took in a preseason fantasy draft. Still crying a little. Um, so many expectations for Edmonton's offense, very little expectations for Ottawa. And certainly that first game of the year, I think the Red Blacks surprised a ton of people, especially the defense where if you can win a game with only 70 yards passing, that speaks volumes to how good your defense plays there. Well, not just that, but it was only uh, Flanders only had 30 some odd yards rushing in that game as well. I mean, he didn't even top 40 yards rushing. So you want to talk about total offense. I don't even know that we got above 150 yards of total offense, but you pick off Trevor Harris three times. Uh, yeah. You prevent them from scoring a lot of points too. So, I mean, what they say defense wins championships, but at least it won the first game of the season for the red blacks. And it was a, it was a pretty impressive showing by them. And, and look as red blacks fans, we knew that the defense was never really the issue. It's it's always been a, a good defense. Northrop defense through and through, even though Northrop wasn't there anymore. Uh, you know, you just knew that his footprint was all over that, and they played hard defense, uh, ball hawking defense, and and it showed up in that first game, even after a year off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, a great defensive effort there to pick up the win in week one. Things are looking good going into the week two bye week. And then, well, uh, the, the things start going downhill a little bit uh, from there. They come out of that with a week three uh, loss to the Riders, 23 to 10. Then a week four, 24 to 12 loss to BC. And then we get into the week five game, which is an absolute barn burner. Uh, 80 points combined, 51-29 loss to the Montreal Alouettes, which, you know, this is one where it was 
exciting to finally see some offense uh, coming from Ottawa here because I, I did think they did, you know, they do have some playmakers on the team and some stepped up early on in this season as well. You know, we saw, we saw the likes of Ryan Davis, a guy who before the season started, nobody really knew much about him in terms of his time in Ottawa and uh, stepping up, you know, with some big games early on this one, you had Daniel Peterman, a new addition for Ottawa. Uh, stepping up with a two touchdown game there and so finally some offense but uh, the defense that was so solid in those first couple of weeks seemingly uh, just disappearing I mean it was tough honestly nobody was stopping Vernon Adams all season for the most part so that was a tall task to to have a a Vernon Adams on his best game Uh, well maybe not his best game of the season but by far he was at the top of his game at that point four touchdown passes that they allowed, but uh, you know, it, it was, it was a tough go for these guys. It's hard to stop. And and the thing is, is that we were still doing quite a few two and outs. I mean, that was one of the heels, uh, uh, the Achilles heels of this, this team all season long. This offense was just staying on the field, could not prolong uh, drives, especially when Dominic Davis was the leading rusher in that game, eight carries 38 yards, Justin Davis, eight carried 38 yards. We, you know, you can't get anything done. And we know this because we've seen this happen, uh, especially you with your bombers as far as uh, watching Andrew Harris do this year after year. You got to get stuff going on the ground, even in the CFL. It's not always a passing league. So on the flip side, Stanback had 112 yards. That just goes to prove that you need a running game. And we didn't have that to back up uh, a Dominique Davis, even a two touchdown game from him, which was, was not bad. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we couldn't play Edmonton every week and we did have to run into <laughs> uh the alouettes yeah and and that's the thing the thing that puzzled me a little bit with with Ottawa you know they brought in Timothy Flanders as the starting running back a guy who I don't think had played since 2019 at that point uh and even then like 2018 was last time he was really productive when he was with the Bombers that dual back system and I kind of like the move because this seemed like a a Paul Apolis guy right they worked together here in Winnipeg uh, and I think would be the guy we could see, you know, a lot of dump passes too. We could see a heavy, heavy workload in the rushing game. And we know La Police likes to, to run his offense in that way. And especially if you look, you know, at your crew of wide receivers in Ottawa, you know, you, you know, there are some new faces there. I, I think I wouldn't say it's the most deep, uh, or wasn't, I should say at this point, wasn't the most deep crew there. So you're thinking maybe you should lean on the run game a little more, but it really seemed like that didn't happen early on. And I, I know Flanders missed some time due to injury. We ended up going to Justin Davis for a bit, Delance Turner eventually on the season. But it uh, really seemed whoever was in there was not getting, getting the heavy workload. And and running back by committee, for the most part, is not necessarily new in, in Ottawa. I mean, we've seen it happen before, uh, especially when uh, the, the year that Powell uh, was hurt right that was 26 2017 i believe when powell was hurt 2016 when he was hurt um i barely remember yesterday so uh <laughs> no, so i mean and then we brought in uh, all, all kinds of guys you know Gris, uh, grigsby was in there for a little bit so i mean it's not that we don't know what a piecemeal running back room looks like but unfortunately none of those pieces were able to to come in and and really just spell uh, any any sort of attempt by any quarterback that we had in there to actually manage the game. And, and like I said, it's, it's hard for a defense to stay on the field as long as Ottawa's defense had to this season and not 
give up big games like in Montreal and then the next week to BC with 45 points. You know, it's just they get tired. And, and when you can only put up 13 points in a game, seven points in a game, that just proves that your offense is not effective and that the defense is trying to win the day. And and you just can't put it on the defense uh, that many times and expect something good to happen. Yeah, right around this game, I think this game against Montreal that we were just talking about, I think that's where Davis comes in and Nichols starts getting hurt and they go to Davis. And this is a guy that's been with the team a couple of years now, back in 2019, I believe was their main go-to starter or split the time with Jonathan Jennings. I think that was 2019. That was 2019. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> so long ago at this point. Um and, you know, he, he always seemed like a guy that had some bright spot. You know, he can put up 300-yard games. He can put up a couple of touchdowns. He can put up the run. You know, he can use his legs. But it's the interceptions that seem to kill him over and over again. And it seemed like that was the theme here this season. And, you know, he ends up getting injured and then, well, ends up being released at the end of the year. Now we know he's going off to, I believe it's Montreal, which – who knows how long he stays there now that they brought Trevor Harris back as a backup, but uh, you know, gets the chance to, to redeem himself after that 2019 season, but just not able to run with it here. He frustrated you because you saw the talent because you knew that he was capable of big things, but what, for whatever reason, uh, he just could not put it together for an entire season. He had flashes, he had big games, he had big runs, he had big passes, but it was never enough to necessarily carry the offense through. But again, he didn't have a lot of support either. You know, I mean, the, the I, I said it during the draft show and, and, it, and somebody had mentioned a while back and I can't even remember exactly where now, but somebody said, well, look, if you Ottawa fans love your players so much. Why is your team so bad? Like, why do you love a team that's, that's bad? Why do you love the players? And it's because of that. It's because we root for folks to succeed and we want to see them succeed. So we're happy when they when they have big games. Now, can we lament and, and be mad when they lose and they don't do very well as a team? Sure, but that doesn't mean we don't like the individuals. And so that's the thing with Davis. Like, we loved Dominic Davis because he was a, a good guy and he was a, a good player in spurts, but it was just hard to, to not be mad when those did not equate to W's, which is kind of what you're going for as a fan of a team in, in, at the end of the day. So, yeah, I mean, when he got the chance, there were there were times when we were happy, but unfortunately, those times were few and far between. Yeah, as we round out the first section of the season, a 45-13 loss to BC comes right after that game. Uh, and at that point, you know, back-to-back -back weeks, we're wondering what the heck happened to this defense for Ottawa. I forget if this was the point of the season where they lost to Duel Ganae, uh, Sherrod Baltimore. I think both of them went down on the injured list for a while, which, which didn't help, certainly. Uh, then week seven by week. And then uh, I think this was a game week eight against Hamilton where uh, the the rain was pouring in this one. David Watford starts for the Thai Cats. Uh, this was an ugly, ugly game. Matt Nichols uh, plays some in this game. He goes down due to injury. Dominic Davis plays in this game. He goes down due to injury. Nate Bahar takes over as quarterback. Uh, you know, Canadian wide receiver starting at quarterback because uh, the CFL, for whatever reason, decided to take a primary roster spot away from a third string quarterback this season and uh well that was a quirky one wasn't it 
Yeah. I mean, again, you just, you got to just go and roll with the punches, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I really wish we would have seen him throw up, throw up. Well, I guess he did throw a pass, a three yard, a three yard pass in that game. But uh, I wish we would. Quarterback, his quarterback rating is perfect. <laughs> Actually, I think I remember at the end of this game. I, I think on the final series, where they get the ball punched back to them, and Devontae Deadman fumbles the ball, and uh, everybody's up in arms because we don't get to see a whole Nate Bahar at quarterback series uh, in that game. But uh, yes, both both of their quarterbacks at the time do go down due to injury at this point. Uh, and uh, it's, it's fresh faces coming in from there, but uh, you know, I talked about Devonte Deadman there a little bit in the, in, you know, the negative sense of the fumble, but that's, that's certainly not the story of him this season. He did have a touchdown in this game. He had a touchdown in a lot of games in the return game this season uh, set Set the CFL record, I think it was, for fastest to five for return touchdowns in just 15 career games. I mean, I've been talking up my love for Devontae Deadman here on this podcast the entire season long. He, honestly, outside of the Bombers, was my favorite player in the CFL. And it's because he is just electrifying and so fun to watch. And he's fun to talk to. I had him on the show a couple of years back before he blew up. And, I mean, the dude was so just excited to be able to play. He was excited to be able to be on shows like ours. He was just, he was just an excited guy. And the simple fact that he lit it up over the last couple of seasons uh, down or up there is, is the main reason why right now he's getting a shot in Miami to show what he can do because the guy he's going to go down there. Well, he's going to go from the, the snowy conditions in Ottawa to the bright sunshine of Florida, that, but he's going to get a chance to prove that he is the real deal and we're going to miss him. But boy, was it ever fun to watch that guy play? Cause it was always like, he just, somebody was, was giving him a gigantic shot from a, um, a pinball machine and just, you know, letting him go. Yeah. And, and you know, of course you're very involved in the fantasy side of sports as well. And De- Devonte Dedman was one of, one of those weird cases where you know, most often price point, he was in the, at times in the $6,000 range. You're not picking that for just a return man normally, but for him, he made it like you had to almost every week because he's getting, you know, 250 return yards, a touchdown, you know, pretty regularly throughout there. I still really wish Ottawa would have used him more on offense and, and it blows my mind that, that they did it. Oh, I mean, it was, well, okay. It's a Brandon Bakes situation, right? I mean, we saw exactly what happened when, when somebody finally let Brandon Banks on the field as a receiver, June Jones was like, Oh, Hey, uh, you're pretty good there on the return team. Let, let's see what you can do as a receiver. And sure enough, he turns into one of the best in the league. I, I mean, look, we never really did give Deadman the shot to do that. He came out on the field for some offensive snaps, but I don't feel like we ever really gave him any meaningful work as a receiver to, to prove it. We try to give him some gimmick plays, you know, like you do with returners where you just try to get him in space, but let him run routes, let him get out there, let him, let him cross the field, let him see what he can do uh, on a crossing route to break some tackles after that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't ever wish for a guy to, to not make it in the NFL if he can, but sure be nice to have him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always say that, uh, you know, excited for guys to get their shot down south, but uh, if it doesn't work out, hey, we're still here, you know, like come back to the CFL. We love to see it 
Uh, but we'll see what happens with him there. Uh, you know, uh, maybe following in the footsteps of uh, former Red Black Deontay Spencer, uh, another guy, fantastic return man. Uh, did get involved more in the receiving game, of course, but uh, ended up going to, I think it was the Denver Broncos. And uh, I don't know, is he still with the Broncos now? Still returning kicks for the Broncos. Yep. Right on. There you go. Love to see CFL players making a name for themselves in the NFL there. Uh, yeah, to me, it just seemed like so simple. And I'm like, what am I missing here? Why is this guy not being involved on the offensive side of the ball? Because uh, I got to say, it worked for BC this year with Lucky Whitehead, who was primarily a returner and a, a fourth, fifth receiver in Winnipeg, turned out to be one of the best receivers in the CFL this season. So maybe we'll get to see it one day if the NFL doesn't work out. But in the meantime, uh, that is not the case. We see him go off to the Miami Dolphins and of course wish him all the best there and not bad you know to, to set a CFL record before uh, before going off to play in the NFL for Devontae Deadman. so first section of the season ends here at n- not a great start to the year you got that I think that win over Edmonton is the the only one there in the first section of the season anything else from from those first uh, what is that five six games stand out to you Nothing that uh, a few pints of, of beer could not wash out. It was just, that was a rough one to, to stomach as a red black fan. Wait all 2020, 20 or 2020, 2020, 2020. We wait all year for a season and, and that's what we got. So, yeah, I mean, just, just to know that, that we were watching uh, some frustrating football was, was really not the business. Then we get into the middle chunk here. Let's look at the next four games. And it starts off with the uh, the coming out party of one Caleb Evans at quarterback uh, facing the Edmonton Elks, two teams that were uh, pretty much hitting rock bottom at this point in the season. And, uh, you know, Ottawa, after a couple weeks in a row where it seemed nothing was going their way necessarily, all of a sudden came out early in this game, a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. Caleb Evans gets some offensive touchdowns and we're saying, oh, we haven't seen these very, very much this season and uh, looked pretty good. 191 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 59 yards on the ground in that game. Uh, Certainly seemed like a very strong start for for Caleb Evans and, and perhaps, you know, some bright future there. Strong start, but we knew it wasn't sustainable because, again, Evans was the leading rusher on the team. It's just not fair to ask your quarterback to not only provide the passing yards and the passing touchdowns, but to also be the leading ground producer. I mean, this isn't Baltimore. We're not trying to to have the quarterback be the end-all, be-all of the team. Got to have some help. I know Flanders chipped in for 45 yards that day, but, again, you know, you, you can't sustain having – a guy we were excited obviously to beat the elks again and uh this time obviously it wasn't uh, harris it was cornelius taylor uh making his his uh start there but you know again we we just we knew that something had to happen differently because it wasn't sustainable and rj harris did step up again for us and then we saw kenny stafford kick in a little bit too so that was that was very encouraging but it, we got gouged by greg ellingson he he exacted some revenge on the red blacks, uh, in that game too, one of his bigger games of the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we had stuff to cheer for, but I think we were all just kind of saying, okay, well, when's the next shoe going to fall? Right. Yeah. You mentioned Kenny Stafford. I think he was brought in a couple weeks before that during the bye week, uh, 
a move that uh, puzzled me a little bit because, you know, rebuilding team, you're thinking, okay, well, they're going to make some moves during the bye week. And Kenny Stafford's a good receiver in the CFL, but he is getting up there in age. Seems like, you know, at this point in the season, you're, you've got a one in six start to the year or whatever it was, you know, maybe you're letting some of these younger guys like Orion Davis, uh, uh, you know, mature more and get more playing time. But uh, he does come in. He contributes a little bit there. He mentioned RJ Harris, a uh, solid game here with 80 yards for him, but seemed like this was kind of a bit of a step back this year. Uh, big season for him back in 2019, but uh, and we were expecting big things, especially with the likes of Dominic Rimes going over to BC, Brad Sinopoli retiring, uh, you know, seemingly should be the go-to guy, but it seemed like he struggled a bit this year, didn't he? Yeah, I think half of that may have been on him, but more, maybe even more than half of that had to do with just the inconsistency of quarterback play. Uh, he never really did get a fair shot to to really get going because, again, with just the fluctuations overall at the quarterback position, let alone the 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 play that wasn't up to par, you know, it just it didn't spell a whole lot of success for R.J. Harris, even in perfect conditions. It just yeah, I mean, I think he got the raw end of the deal this year. Couldn't necessarily uh, branch out because he didn't have the guy, the, the guys that can consistently get him the ball in good situations. He did what he could. You know, again, with this game, with the Elks, he, he proved that he still had it in the tank uh, when they got it to him. But the problem was getting it to him. Yeah, and we'll see it. We'll see uh, if he can have a bounce back year this year. You know, great quarterback there. A lot of great sporting cast at receiver where, uh, you know, it's debatable. Is he the number one guy still or not? We'll get into that a little more uh, later on when we talk about the offseason moves, but uh, we'll see what happens there with RJ Harris. You mentioned waiting for the next shoe to drop with Caleb Evans and well, the next week uh, it did in this game against Toronto, where I believe they had two or three pick sixes uh, in this game. Uh, hands up if you took the Argos defense and fantasy football and were very happy with your 29 point performance. Um, yeah, that one, uh, you know, as this was the week where they had two games in one week, I think, uh, in week 10 or 11 here and, uh, you know, strong performance against Edmonton the week before much stronger defense they're facing this week in the Argos this season. And, uh, the, those three interceptions there seem to haunt Caleb Evans a little bit. Yep. No touchdowns, three interceptions. Again, the leading rusher on the team, you know, Flanders only had six carries for 16 yards in that game. So whatever we had done right against Edmonton the week before, once again, we came out flat the next week and just could not build on any kind of momentum that we had gotten. And, and then again, to get trounced by Montreal, I say trounced four points, but I mean, still, you know, only putting up 16 points, allowing 20. Uh, that was a heartbreaker of a game as well. So uh, yeah, those back-to-back -back games, it, it, we didn't have a whole lot of time to even lick our wounds after the first one before we went and got pummeled in the next one. So, uh, yeah, was, that was a tough week. <laughs> yeah, it. three games in, what, 10 days there. Uh, you got that game against Toronto. Then you play Montreal on the Monday, uh, which is like four days later, uh, and then five days after that playing a rematch with the same Montreal Alouettes. Uh, you know, got to give credit the Red Blacks, a four-point loss, uh, you know, coming off a couple of days of rest only against a team that had more um, and, and was a good football team in their own right. I thought the defense stepped up big time in, in this particular game. You know, they held Vernon Adams to 157 yards only before he got injured. Uh, but quarterback play, 
here's where we started seeing it a little more with with Ottawa at this point where it was okay great start for Caleb Evans but now we're trending into you know not putting the touchdowns up still getting those rushing yards but uh, the, a couple picks here and there, not necessarily producing the touchdowns as you hope to see from your quarterback. And that kind of was the theme here in the middle chunk of the season. You know, great start for Caleb Evans. Seems like things are, you know, there's some potential there. But then uh, as we close out the middle chunk of the season and move on to the, the next chunk going forward, it's kind of, okay, now playoffs are looking like, they're out of question in the in the final couple of games of the year. Now let's let's start auditioning for next season, right? Yep, and that's really what it ended up being. You know, right after that second Montreal game, you, you just knew you knew that it was. I mean, you already knew, but the writing was was definitely on the wall at that point. And then it was just, well, let's see what we've got going forward. Let's see what these guys can do. And you know, it's it's heartbreaking at that point because you see again the defense trying to put up good games and trying to keep them in the game. The two and outs, that's that's really been the Achilles heel. And when you score 16 points exactly in three straight games, it's just not enough to get it done. It really isn't enough to get it done, especially against high-powered offenses like Toronto, like Montreal, you know, and especially against Hamilton at that point. Uh, you can't just put up three points, have, have uh, Lewis Ward be your sole proprietor of offense. Uh, things got to get, ha- things got to happen. And we just never saw it exactly happen. And then, then the quarterback carousel began because Caleb Evans, there was some excitement around him, but I still was trepidated. I, I saw a lot of trepidation because I just didn't see what everybody else had seen. I mean, they, everyone was like, oh yeah, especially after the first game, but then it fell off. And I was like, but see, that's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, defense trying to keep them in games here this season. We haven't talked a ton about the defense outside of that first game of the year. It seemed like it was a bit of an up and down season, you know, more so in the first half. They had that strong first game against Edmonton, strong second game against Edmonton. But everything else there in the middle, I think, went, you know, I was tracking fantasy stats all season long. They had something like 20 fantasy points in two games against uh, Edmonton and then a combined one or three in the five other games in between and it was it was kind of like okay well which defense what why why right is it just a matter of uh, of facing Edmonton here but to their credit in the second half of the season defense I thought uh, you know started racking up those sacks those, those interceptions etc but uh, is that just a byproduct of the offense leaving hanging them out to dry at times you know leaving the defense on the field more often or why did we see that up and down defensive play from this unit? It's exactly that. I mean, like I said earlier, you can't expect a defense to stay on the field for three quarters of the game and to continue to put up good numbers. Uh, now, again, we were lucky enough in the second half, like you were talking about in the back half of the season to extend some drives and to keep the defense off the field uh, only because we were getting the ball back too uh, in that fashion. But it's just, it's difficult, you know? And then with injuries playing a part as well, uh, you start to see guys go down because they're tired, obviously. And and that's when injuries happen is when you're fatigued and when your body's like, okay, I've been out on this field enough. Uh, it's time for me to go ahead and sit down, drink some Gatorade and, and cool off a little bit. Uh, but they never got that opportunity very much over the course of that season. And it just, again, you saw the fatigue, you saw it show up on the field. You, start, you saw it show up in the stat categories. And that's, and that's really why you saw the decline in the defense, especially in the middle of the season when it gets hot, when it gets, the days get long and, and you're, you're out on the field for a long time. 
Then we get into the final four games of the season, and, and this is where it becomes duck season, or does it? Um, you know, Duck Hodges, Devlin Hodges, brought in as a quarterback uh, for the Red Blacks. He does in this first game of the final stretch against the Ticats, where they fall 32-3. to He he gets in as a backup, plays about half the game there. Now, now I'm not I'm not a much of an NFL follower, so I, I knew nothing about Devlin Hodges coming in, but seemed like there was a lot of fanfare around it. What what's the story here with with Duck Hodges and and the hype around him? It, it's weird because even in Pittsburgh, like he just he was there, right? He was in the NFL, and and even I was kind of like, well, I don't see the hype around him. There there's not much that I saw that made me excited to see him play in the CFL. Maybe it was just the fact that this was an NFL name, one that is known, one that had a good nickname uh, that everybody was like, oh yeah, duck, let's go. But again, as, as somebody who, who lives and breathes the NFL down here, it wasn't a name that circulated down here very much. It wasn't somebody that was like, okay, you know, it, it wasn't of Manziel proportion. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yet it, it acted like it was. And, and I, I just, like I said, I didn't get all that excited, uh, and, and maybe for good reason. Yeah. It, uh, not, not a shining debut here. Eight of 16, 49 yards and an interception after he took over for Caleb Evans, uh, a rough start to this final stretch here with that loss to Hamilton. Uh, I mean, the next couple of games as well, a 26-13 loss to Calgary, a close 23-20 game against the Argos uh, in the in the second last game of the season for them, where, where, where Duck Hodges does get the start in this one uh, and plays the whole game, but, you know, 36.4% completion percentage for 90 yards and and zero touchdowns and interception, and they go on to lose this one. And I, to that, I say, you should have thrown for 20 yards less and they might've won like Matt Nichols did in week one. I'm telling you, he, he overextended <laughs> it, but you can't win games with eight completions. You just can't do it. Flanders at least had 95 yards on the day, but you cannot win games where you barely, you can't even get over a hundred yards passing and eight completions altogether. Just, it's hard to do that. Your defense is really struggling at that point to to keep you in there and and to lose by three points. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah, and this was a lot. This was a wild one too because uh, you know Toronto's right in the thick of that race for first in the East at this point. And going into halftime, Ottawa's up thirteen to nine here, and uh, might have even been twenty to nine, uh, depending. On, I forget what order you know the third quarter points came in here. Um, but Ottawa jumps ahead despite the play of Devlin Hodges, I think due to, you know, again, stellar defensive play, three interceptions on McLeod Bethel Thompson. And then, uh, all of a sudden just second half late in the game, things turned around Toronto puts 11 points on the board in the fourth quarter and, and squeezes out the win in the end of this game, uh, about as close as you can get to, uh, being the spoiler uh here uh in the role the, the red blacks were playing down the stretch right would have been nice that's for sure i mean something to hang your hat on yeah this was a bizarre game all the way around uh you know another Devonte deadman touchdown lewis ward who's so consistent all the time making only two of five field goals um yeah quirky game here close game for ottawa down the stretch and you know, I just talked about them playing the spoiler role, and uh, they certainly did that in week number 16 when they, they pick up their third and final win of the season 
1918 win over the Montreal Alouettes that uh, effectively put the Alouettes in third place and sent them on the road to Hamilton for the playoff game. Uh, Got to feel like a nice little bit of revenge after those three games earlier in the year, doesn't it? You look at who the quarterback was. We start the year with a win over Trevor Harris. We end the year with a win over Trevor Harris. So, yeah, I mean, I love Trevor as much as the next person, but uh, it was kind of kind of neat to see it bookended exactly like that uh, with a win over his team, his former team uh, in the middle there, too. So you got to figure Trevor Harris had a hand in at least all three of them at some in some capacity in all three of Ottawa's wins. So uh, thanks, Trevor, for that. But, yeah, I mean, it was nice to end with a win. But again, Caleb Evans, no passing touchdowns. He does rush for two, so that was pretty nice. But, you know, we, we saw at the end of the season the same type of uh, situation we'd been living with all year long. Yeah, and we finally got to see Timothy Flanders, uh, you know, be involved as effectively as we talked about earlier, more in the passing game. He led the team in receiving yards in this game with 67 there. And I think the bigger storyline on this side was from the Montreal Alouette standpoint where, you know, they could technically could still play for that home playoff game, but they pulled William Stan back uh, after about a quarter or two in this game to make sure he was ready to go for the playoffs. And then Jeshron Antwi comes in as a bad fumble late in the game. I think Montreal may have gotten stopped at the goal line and uh, Ottawa pulls out a one point victory to, to end off the season here. So a, a three and 11 season in a shortened year, certainly not ideal, certainly not what you're looking for. Uh, before we get into the off season of it all, uh, anything else you have to say on the 2021 season? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I paused for effect because honestly, I, I just, I'm so looking forward to, to what we can see out of this season that, uh, all I can say about last season is that it happened. We learned a lot about what we don't want to see as fans. And I'd like to see uh, with this new injection of, of, of just energy overall, uh, what we can cheer for in 2022. Yeah. Same thing I said when we covered the Elks season with uh, Superfan Mike from the Turf District is uh, we, we gave the season a proper funeral Goodbye, good riddance. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's look towards the bright future here for a couple of minutes. And boy, have the Ottawa Red Blacks been busy so far this offseason, rightfully so. Um, one of the big things, you know, I think this happened mid-season, but General Manager Marcel Desjardins was uh, given his walking papers by the Red Blacks. You know, I think some of the assistants took over for the rest of the season. They ended up hiring Sean Burke, who spent time in Hamilton this offseason. But uh, no surprise at all that Desjardins gets the can there, right? Nah, I mean, we knew the writing was on the wall. And and again, it, we were sad. I was sad to see him go. I mean, look, I know that there's a lot of people that were calling for his head, but it's a tough job. It's a very tough job. And you've got to either be able to make big moves or or move out of the way. And I think he knew that at this point, it just, he needed to move out of the way and, and he did, and, and they, they did and they let him do it. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I never call for anybody's job, but if you're going to try to turn a team around, it starts from the top and that was the top. So, um, and, yeah. and you do have to give them credit for those couple, like the season they go on to it, to the gray cup, right. And their second was it second or third season in the CFL, I think uh that they basically turned it around you know first year was awful then basically went out and bought a championship team in free agency and you know a couple trips to the great cup they win one in there 
and uh, credit to them for him for you know building that. But the problem from there was not maintaining it or planning for the future. You can buy a team in free agency, and that might work for a year or two, but you got to build through the draft, and you got to you got to you know build through scouting, and you got to build up your team to prepare for the future. And that's where we saw the downfall, and I think it got to a point where it was. Uh, he just wasn't able to piece the pieces back together again and uh, is sent on his way by Ottawa. Absolutely. I mean, you send a guy like William Powell away, you send Trevor Harris away, you send, uh, well, Sinopoli retired, but, you know, you send Ellingson away. It's just tough. It's tough to lose all the, the good pieces that you have. And not to say that there weren't good pieces left behind, but they just weren't utilized the right way. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think you had enough uh, people who are anchors in that team to, to keep it together. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sean Burke takes over as general manager and bef- thanks to the, uh, the, the, the tampering window, the negotiation window, I don't know what we want to call it. Uh, we knew it was going to be a busy February 8th for one Sean Burke and the red blacks, because uh, we got wind of a number of deals going their way. The most active team in free agency and rightfully so given how last season ended and let's just go through and list off the list of additions. Jeremiah Mazzoli at quarterback, William Powell at running back, Jackson Bennett also uh, at receiver. A whole new crew of receivers here. B.J. Cunningham, Levi Noel, Jalen Acklin, Darvin Adams, Shaq Johnson. Uh, on the offensive line, a whole new offensive line there. Darius Sirocco, Yukonbrin Williams, Hunter Stewart. A great crew there. Defensive line, a couple big pieces there. Uh, Lorenzo Malden, Justin Thomas, uh, Kwaku Boateng, the biggest one there. That's a huge addition, I think, on the D-line. Defensive back, uh, yeah, we're still going. Uh, Ty Cranston, uh, Money Hunter, Patrick Levels, Tremaine Washington. Like, these are all huge pieces that uh, the the Ottawa Red Blacks brought in this offseason. Like we said at the top of the show, this is going to be a vastly different team. And I know we talked about a lot of these things already on our free agency live show with you, but uh, of all of the names I, I listed off there, uh, what, which ones stand out the most to you and are the most exciting? Well, Tremaine Washington right off the bat and Kwaku Boateng. Those guys both are just heavy, heavy hitters, heavy names on defense. And again, we've talked about how strong this Red Blacks defense has always been. You bring two guys in like that who absolutely know how to just go all out uh, every single play. I think it does nothing but elevate the rest of what's already been a good defense uh, to the to the next level. And I just think the energy that they're going to bring with them to this team, you're going to see you're going to see a, a even a more improved Red Blacks defense than than you've seen in the past. And and that's saying something. But um, offensively, look, you went out and and you got. William Powell, first and foremost, right? I said that on the live show. You brought the heartbeat back of this offense, the, the guy who we can know we know can turn and hand the ball off and, and produce for you game after game after game after game. Uh, that was sorely needed. And, and with Jeremiah Masoli there too, look, you can say that you buy a championship, but you know it's hard to assemble a team like this together out of thin air. You know, Jalen Acklin, Darvin Adams, B.J. Cunningham, all, uh, Shaq Johnson, all these guys, right? All these names that you bring in uh, on on uh, offense and in the receiving core, those aren't small names. These aren't guys that you were looking at last season, like who's a Ryan Davis, you know, or who's who's this or who's that. You just have 
playmakers on both sides of the ball that are are really electrifying when they play well. So the the challenge now is going to be to get them all to play well together and to get them all on the same page to try to win a, a longer season this year. Well, the thing I think is different about this time in terms of, you know, buy a championship that then when Marcel Desjardins did it, like you look at Henry Burris, they brought in uh, who else were Ernest Jackson, the Chris Williams, boy, those are two names haven't heard in a little while. Uh, I think Greg Ellingson was, was a part of that as well. Um, probably one other big name there that escapes me uh, off the top of my head. Brad Sinopoli, was that part of that same off season, bringing him in as well, I think pretty sure that was i mean again that was that was before my time but yeah yeah so i had huge pieces all brought in at the time these were you know top tier receivers and i think a lot of the players they're bringing in now are still uh you know upper echelon players in the game but i also look at a lot of them as kind of guys that were maybe looked at as afterthoughts on their teams that are still very good players but maybe aren't demanding top dollar. You know, you're not paying $300,000 for any of these receivers like Edmonton is for Kenny Waller. You look at BJ Cunningham, used to be one of the top receivers in Montreal, but now it's the Jake Wieneke, Eugene Lewis show there. Jalen Acklin, same thing. You know, it's Braylon Addison's the number one guy in Hamilton. Brandon Banks was for many years. Acklin, you know, stepped up when those guys were out due to injury and showed what he's capable of. Darvin Adams, a guy that, you know, for many years was a good receiver, a go-to receiver here in Winnipeg seemed to take a bit of a step back, but can still definitely play. So, you know, I see a lot of these guys here for Ottawa where these are good players they've brought in that I don't think they've necessarily paid a huge premium price to do so, which may either, which a lets you improve more at all of these other positions as well. And B, you know, potentially if you do go out and say, you know, vastly improve, you might still be able to keep a lot of these guys and build off of this for years to come. So I I like the way Sean Burke has built this team in free agency right now. I, like I said, I'm excited to see this play. If I were doing a Madden style fantasy draft, I, I have a feeling a lot of these names would be on my on my roster, both offensively and defensively, because I, over the years, I like the way Darvin Adams has played. I've liked the way BJ Cunningham has played. I've liked the way Jalen Acklin looked. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, he just never really got an opportunity to show it there in Hamilton because of Brandon Banks and, and because of some of the bigger guys that, that came on that roster afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a team full of guys you can cheer for. So that's, that's really what I'm, I'm excited that happened. And I'm really excited to cheer for them. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And now the question becomes, though, they look great on paper. But um, what happens when they hit the field? Because we've seen this before. Toronto last season signed everybody. Everyone that was a free agent went to Toronto, it seemed, uh, last season. And it worked for them. They finished first place in the East. They were very close to going off to the Grey Cup. Uh, We saw a couple seasons ago, B.C., spend a heck of a lot of money in free agency didn't exactly work for them. They, uh, you know, just didn't have the chemistry there and it didn't uh, go as planned for them there. So, uh, you know, vastly improved on paper, I would say. And I think this is going to lead to, you know, at least a couple more wins on the season and a much improved Red Blacks team. But then like we've been talking about, you know, how do all these pieces connect together when they go on the field? And I'm interested to see what the depth chart's going to look like too, because, uh, 
that's a lot of receivers, for example, new guys being brought in. And it's not like you're getting rid of Ryan Davis. You're not getting rid of Nate Bahar. Uh, you know, guys like that off the top of my head, uh, RJ Harris, who was brought back as well. So uh, interesting to see where all these pieces are going to fit together. That's just going to be fun. I mean, again, Levi Noel out there too. Uh, Terry Williams, Jordan Smallwood, those guys haven't gone away either. And those guys contributed over the course of the season as well. But, you know, really what it, what it's, it's an embarrassment of riches and it's nice to have in a, in a couple of years where you were very lean in, in what you really had with it. And you got to figure that the revenge factor is there for Masoli. You know, he's going to want to show the Ticats exactly what they lost in, in giving up on him. Uh, I don't want to say giving up, but you know what I'm saying? Just letting him go. And, and he's going to want to come back with a vengeance. And you, you forget that the Ticats are where they are, a large part to what Jeremiah Masoli had done early on to get him there. So, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for, for some of it. And uh, hopefully he can do the same for Ottawa. And I think the biggest changes to me, like the flashy ones are Mazzoli, Powell, et cetera. The biggest thing to me is the offensive line because the offensive line is what makes a team successful in the CFL. Like there's a reason the Bombers have won the Grey Cup the last two seasons. And well, there, there's a lot of reasons I would say is particularly this year, you know, you can't deny the defense and everything involved with that, but I would say they have the best, if not one of the best offensive lines in the CFL. And that's really what changed you know, going back to say, you know, like 2015 or, you know, before that, and there were a lot of dark years here uh, in Winnipeg where the offensive line was no good. It was a rotation of quarterbacks and, and nobody really got anything going. They fixed the offensive line. You take a quarterback like Matt Nichols, like we talked about earlier, all of a sudden he's starting to have success. Zach Caleros has come in and had a ton of success. And, and I think that's the key to a successful team is having a strong offensive line. You've got a, a great mobile quarterback in Mazzoli who can use his legs well, and, and that, that's a huge piece of it as well. But certainly, you know, if less pressure on the quarterback is going to mean tremendous things for your offense and keeping your defense off the field. Well, and, you know, to that end, you bring in Combray Williams, who blocked for uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, one of the most prolific quarterbacks out there. And, you know, he barely ever got touched and, and had a chance to do great things. So he's very familiar with how to keep a quarterback upright. And that is going to be a welcome addition to the team because we need somebody who can keep our quarterback upright. Uh, I mean, even as mobile as Masoli can be, it's, it'd be nice to not have him have to be uh, on the run all the time and under pressure. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch that offensive line kind of gel and get together. Uh, we did take some questions off from Twitter. We did get one in from our uh, good friend, Zach, over at the Let's Go Bombers podcast said, uh, Red Blacks look great on paper. Any holes left? What do you think? Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, on paper, there doesn't look like there's that many holes anymore. Uh, maybe maybe on the defensive line. Uh, but again, they brought in such, uh, you know, S.A. Marambe. They they have great guys out there already right now. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint a hole. Uh, they shored just about everything up that they needed to shore up. In my opinion, still have the greatest uh, special teams kickers in the league. So, you know, even all three uh, facets of the, of the, of the game are covered in my opinion. Yeah. And maybe to me, the biggest hole is the hole left in my heart by Devonte Dedman leaving the CFL, but um, no, uh, but that hole on special teams as well, right? No matter who comes in, I think they had, you know, Terry Williams, 
Uh, not that not that the Terry Williams we're used to seeing in the return game, the one in Edmonton, the other Terry Williams, the Ottawa Terry Williams, uh, confusing sometimes. Um, we saw him come in when when Deadman was injured a couple of games, quite okay, but but no big flashes there. Like the guy set a record this season, right? And to not have him back there, you know, somebody else is going to take step in and take that role. Maybe it, you know, it's more of a Ryan Davis situation this year with all these receivers brought in. Maybe he's focused on the return game there but that that's got to be a hole to fill for me uh just because of the big impact uh from the guy who was you know cfl special teams player of the year i think the, the red blacks mop uh but uh, on paper rest of the roster looking pretty good to me yep i mean i can't argue with that as far as just looking at it right there again like i said we brought in playmakers on both sides of the ball so now it's just up to them to go out and make plays before we get to ready to wrap things up here, anything else on the Red Blacks? Yeah, you you want to talk about Rob? Well, like I said, I just I like the wholesale shift in in giving us an op because the fans the fans were obviously very unhappy over the last couple of seasons with just the way things played out, and it's a testament to the team. It's a testament to Oseg that they took note and said, "Okay, we will give you something different," and and they did so. Just a testament to the to the ownership to know and recognize the fan base needed something else, and and they gave us something else. So now we finally, it, it's an opportunity this season in 2022 for us to either get what we asked for or for us to get more than we asked for. You know, it, it just they left it up to us to say, okay, are you happy with this now? Can, can we roll this out? Is this going to make you happy? Uh, so, but time will tell. We'll we'll see as the season progresses whether or not we uh, we bit off more than we could chew. And, uh, of course, season starts off uh, not next month, but the month after. We're so close uh, yet again here to a dawn of a new CFL season. The draft is at the start of May, about two months to the day from when we're recording this on Wednesday, March 2nd. Uh, and then the, uh, the preseason kicks off at the end of May. So uh, a lot of flashy new pieces here for Ottawa, and we don't need to wait too long to see them. No, we sure do not, and I'm happy about that. Right on. Well, Ron, it's been a blast having you here on the show to talk through all things Red Blacks for the past hour or so. Always such a pleasure to have you on here to talk anything CFL related. Uh, before we let you go and before I wrap up the show here, uh, tell everybody where they can find the Wood Cookie Sawcast and uh, anything else you've got going on and uh, where they can interact with you as well. I don't think we have another hour to let everybody know <laughs> going on uh no you can find the wood cookie sawcast anywhere in fact where you can find this podcast uh, we are again a proud member of the canadian football podcast network took a little hiatus because of obviously the 2020 season getting canceled didn't really produce content then and then uh, things got a little hectic in 2021 life got in the way but the wood cookie sawcast will have a revival for the 2022 season we return with a brand new set of stuff to talk about uh, and just a, a new era of, of red blacks football might as well bring it back out of the mothballs so uh, i'm still happy to to the canadian football podcast network family for allowing me my sabbatical and for welcoming me back into the fold so find it there uh and then look just follow me on twitter at rj via gomez uh you can see everything else that i'm up to there's nascar there's usfl there's uh, you name it, I, I I got something going for it. So indoor football as well. It, it's just, yeah, I got a problem. But yeah, follow me on Twitter <laughs> at RJ Gomez. Follow the show on Twitter at WoodCookieCast. And uh, happy to interact with everybody and everybody. 
Yeah, hardest working man in podcasting. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Saw you doing the uh, the USFL draft coverage, uh, wearing a red, repping the Red Blacks logo on, on the live coverage there. You love to see it. Uh, uh, quickly, you know, USFL kicking off uh, or, or the draft now. Um, what, what, what do you have to say? Hype up this league for us, Rod. It's spring football, guys. I mean, I, I got to tell you, as CFL fans, as, as football fans in general, how can you be mad with more football? It's just an opportunity to watch more players play. They could end up in the CFL. You could have seen, I saw them when they were with the gamblers. I saw them when they were with the breakers. And, and it makes you not just a more knowledgeable football fan, but it makes you a fan of these players more than a fan of anything else. And, I, and it really, when it all is said and done, I love cheering for players. And that's part of why I love the CFL is because sometimes those players don't stick around their teams very long. So you grow to be fans of the players and cheer for them wherever they're at. And that's really what the C or the USFL is doing for me as well as I get a chance to see guys that I, I watched in the spring league. I watched in the fan controlled football league. I watched in the CFL. I watched play flag football down the street from me, whatever, wherever they played, I, I had an opportunity to cheer for them. And it's just fun to watch them succeed. Right on, right on. Looking forward to that as well. Of course, shout out to uh, former Montreal Alouettes backup QB Shea Patterson for being the first overall pick in the USFL draft, a number of other CFL players, uh, some who were still under contract um, <laughs> being drafted there, but that's gotten all sorted out now. Of course, looking forward to that and very much looking forward to the return of the Wood Cookie Sawcast this season covering everything Red Black. So make sure you check that out. As Rod mentioned, make sure you check out all of the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. You can find all of those on Twitter at CF Pod Network. Uh, for our show, you can find us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. You can find us on Facebook as well, the Canadian Football Countdown there. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on, do all of the fun things that help us grow the show. Leave a like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, comment. Do all the fun things, whatever they're called, on whatever platform you're listening on. We appreciate it. Share the show with your friends. That would be great as well. Uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. That starts with a K. Uh, you can check out my regular co-host on Twitter as well, at Mike Darrell. See everything he's got going on. He will be back, uh, you know, once we get closer to the season as well. Gave him a bit of a sabbatical here while we uh, we get some guests in to talk about uh, the uh, all of the different teams from this past season. As I mentioned off the top of the show, go back, check out our Calgary Stampeders deep dive with Steph from Horseman Radio that we recorded earlier this week. And uh, we've got three more teams to cover, the, the Toronto Argonauts, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and BC Lions. So we'll try to get those covered in the coming weeks and take a look towards the next season of the CFL coming from there as well. If you're interested in more CFL content, you can also check out the, the, the Canadian Football Fantasy Fix over on YouTube, a weekly show I run during the regular uh, CFL season covering everything CFL fantasy. Rod, you're a big CFL fantasy guy, right? I am. I didn't do very well last season, but I, I sure love it to death. <laughs> so much fun with all of the fantasy football. We'll be talking through that all season long, some off season content along the way there as well uh, during the, uh, during the off season. So uh, check that out as well. The Canadian football fantasy fix on YouTube. And I think that's it for today. Any final thoughts before I say goodbye, Rod? 
I just appreciate you bringing me back on, and uh, this makes me more excited to crank the Wood Cookie Sawcast back up, get those saws running, and, and get the show back out on the road. Right on, right on. Thanks again for joining me. For Rod Gomez of the Wood Cookie Sawcast, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.